the first being Psalm 16 and the second being uh, Acts chapter 2 verses 22 to 36. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, You are my Lord. Apart from you I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Good morning. morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Chris Balzer. I'm a retired Presbyterian minister. And from time to time I'm asked to preach here which is my congregation, of course, uh, and it's a great privilege to do so. Some years ago now, I resolved to start preaching through the Psalms. And last year sometime, I got to Psalms 14 and 15. So guess what we're looking at today? Psalm 16. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Psalms. We thank you for the Acts of the Apostles. We thank you for every book 
in our Bible, both Old and New Testaments. And we pray that you will speak to us through your written word, the Bible, today. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Did you notice, as we read Acts 2 a few minutes ago, that Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, quoted from Psalm 16? And had you thought of the resurrection of Jesus when, a few minutes before that, Andrew read from Psalm 16? I suspect most of us did not. So what's going on here? The resurrection is picked up by Peter in Acts chapter 2. As we look at the psalm, we see from the heading, first of all, that it's David speaking. Now it doesn't matter whether this is David the shepherd or David the king. So whether you are a Christian Prime Minister of Australia or a Christian bus driver or mother of small children, Psalm 16 applies to you and to me. This David is a servant of Yahweh the covenant God of Israel. David doesn't serve any old small g God, but the only God there is. Verse 4. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. David serves the only God there is. The covenant God called Yahweh. That's his name, by the way. That God has chosen a people for himself. And in David, a servant for himself. Now, we see some of this in our English Bibles, by the word Lord spelled in capital letters. That tells me that it is Yahweh, the proper name of the covenant God of Israel, who is being spoken to or about here, and not one of the other gods, Baal or Ashtaroth or whatever. If you have turned from your sins trusted in Jesus Christ to save you, and continue to acknowledge him as Lord of your life, in other words, if you're a Christian, then Psalm 16 applies equally to you as it did to David. Verse 2. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. So, Christian, here are three questions for you and for me. 
The first one, do you want a refuge? Do you want a refuge? I do. Verse 1, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. Any Christian in the army in wartime probably often took refuge to our Lord God as he was immersed in the dangers all around him. And I imagine there are many, many, many Christians in the Ukraine who are doing this very thing, this very moment. Or you are a Christian teenager being bullied mercilessly at school or on the internet. Or you are enduring a horrible domestic situation from which you have you see no escape. It's a wonderful privilege for the Christian to know that in all situations underneath are the everlasting arms, God's arms. And we see that of course in Deuteronomy chapter 33. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. Do you want a refuge? Do you want confidence in God's power? Do you want confidence in God's power? I do. Verse 2. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Can you say that? In other words, do you really believe that not only is God all-powerful, but that all good things in your life actually come from Him. It's hard, isn't it? We train for a particular job, strive to fulfil all the expectations of our employer, and then we land the job. It's so easy to attribute the success to our own efforts. Verses 5 and 6. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. In other words, everything comes from our God. If we really deep down believe that, then verse 7 applies, doesn't it? I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Think about your experiences over the last couple of years during the COVID pandemic. One of the things that I missed most in being forced to have church on the internet at times was being deprived of the great joy and privilege of joining together with fellow believers in the Lord's day in singing praises to Almighty God. Good thing you weren't sitting in front of me this morning, I think. I just rejoice in the privilege 
of singing with other believers. If you are a church at home today, for whatever reason, I encourage you to sing with at least one other believer if you can. Do you want a refuge? Do you want confidence in God's power? Do you want to know the path to life? Many of us worry about the future, even if only a little bit. How long will the COVID-19 pandemic control mechanisms have to be imposed on us? Are we confident enough now to travel freely overseas as we used to be able to do 40 years ago? Perhaps I might have to cancel and lose my money. Will I ever again feel free to hug my friends at church? Did you feel awkward at church a little while ago when you wanted to hug somebody and you thought, not allowed. Will my children grow up loving and serving Jesus? Will they be happy and have satisfying lives? Or, someone like me, will I have enough superannuation to live reasonably comfortably in my old age? Will I escape the dreaded C word, cancer? Will I end my life confined in a locked dementia facility or bedridden in a nursing home? God's person should echo the thoughts expressed in verse 8. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Another way of saying that is God is sovereign. And therefore, the smart way to live my life is walking hand in hand with the Lord Jesus, God the Son. If we do that, then we can echo the thoughts reflected in verse 9. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Why? Verse 10 is the because. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. Your Bible translation might have, you will not abandon me to Sheol. That's what the Hebrew says. In Hebrew thought, Sheol was the place of the dead. All the dead go there. In Psalm 16 verse 10, it's the place one goes when one dies. But God does not let the righteous remain there. It's not surprising then that we read in verse 10, Nor will you... 
let your Holy One see decay. Or perhaps your Bible says, see the pit. The Christian immediately thinks of the general resurrection, which we all look forward to, and about which the New Testament has a lot to say. Perhaps we can say here, in Psalm 16, we see a hint of the resurrection. It seems, as one commentator has said, that in God's providence, the words that David wrote were going to apply with uncanny accuracy centuries later to David's great descendant. With hindsight, the witnesses to Christ's resurrection realised that they had seen a man who, when actually in the grave, had not been abandoned to it, who was most truly God's Holy One, and who was now, in the fullest sense, seated eternally at God's right hand. We see this in the speech of Peter to the Jews present on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 23. You, with the help of wicked men, he's speaking to the Jews present, you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him. And then we have the quote from Psalm 16. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Peter then goes on to remind his Jewish readers that the patriarch David both died and was buried and they can go and look at his tomb and see his remains. Acts chapter 2 verse 30 and following. But he, that's David, was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. Of course, he was talking about the descent of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. So, for us, Psalm 16 does two things. And I'm going to talk about the second one before I talk about the first one. The second one. It shows us how the early Christians used the Old Testament to help persuade their Jewish hearers that the Old Testament predicted Christ's resurrection. 
That should help us Christians be confident that what the rest of the New Testament says about the resurrection of Jesus and of course our resurrection at the last day, remember, our resurrection is possible because God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And if you're a Christian, you have been joined to Jesus already. It's just that there's going to be some time delay. And instead of going with Jesus when he rose, we have to live here on this earth and serve God here in the meantime. But at the end, we will be raised because of Jesus' resurrection. I am in Christ and Christ is in me. We see that in Romans chapter 6 verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. We become Christians by being united with the crucified Jesus. And because he rose from the dead, so shall we. That was the second thing that we see from this psalm. The first thing that this psalm does for us. It ends with these words. Verse 11. You made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The present time of gladness and rejoicing mentioned in verse 9 is extended wonderfully in verse 11 to eternal pleasures. What a joy it is and will be to dwell with the Trinitarian God. Christians are joined to Christ while on earth and remain so in eternity. Isn't it great to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen.